Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's towards the end of graduation season. I don't know if you've been to one or two, or perhaps you still have one to go to. But this past week, I was looking through, scrolling through the news, and one article caught my attention. It was the best graduation speeches of 2023. And one particular speech caught my eye for his provocative address to the graduates that although, as the, the speaker saw, they're going into the world that is completely and utterly broken and in, and in the worst case it's ever been, and yet he exhorted them to live extraordinary lives even in the face of this adversity. And it struck me that although this uh, speaker was just giving a, a general exhortation to the graduates, his message seemed very similar to the lives of a disciple of Jesus, although there are some differences. The, the world, as this speaker saw it, he described it as this, democracy's crumbling, truth is up for grabs, the planet's trying to kill us, and loneliness is driving everyone insane. And yet what he saw as particularly valuable in the current generation was this. He says, Yet uh, it's been truly amazing to see how your generation has rebelled against every bad habit of mine and every generation that came before me. Everything that we let calcify, you have kicked against and demolished. You've rejected the whole 24-7, no days off grind. You've rejected apathy. You've rejected ignoring your mental health because you got to muscle through it no matter what. You've rejected alienation and cruelty. You've rejected not trying to include everyone, and you've rejected not looking out for each other. And his point was this, and those things are hard to reject because accepting them sometimes makes life way easier. If you just shut yourself off from the world, Life is way easier. It is also way less colorful, way less complicated, way less nourishing, and way less memorable. His solution is wander easy. Sure, work hard in everything you do, but he says the meaningful life, an extraordinary life, does not come from meticulous calculations and precise planning of every minute of every day to maximize profit or productivity or even pleasure. He says true meaning in life comes from the joyful uh, wanderings, of finding something that's interesting and going out just to learn about it, just for learning about its sake. He says the extraordinary times in life are found in these wanderings. And so this speaker leaves the class of 2023 at his university with three words, time to live. This true meaning in life, this extraordinary life. Isn't the Christian life an extraordinary life? A life full of wonder and hope? A life of freedom, set free from the past of all guilt and all shame. A life of joy, joy that sustain, is sustainable and enduring even in times of grief, loneliness, and sorrow. A life of sacrifice because whatever you give away, God is more than willing to give you more. And a life of renewal that each and every day God is working on you like an artist works on a sculpture, chipping away everything that is wrong until what is left is something precious and beautiful. 
Is the Christian life an extraordinary life? Well, it can be. Not because of the optimistic outlook of a comedian in a robe, but because of the glorious, all-powerful, and all-loving reign of our triune God who rules over all creation. And that this same triune God sends us out to make more disciples of this extraordinary life. Our text today was kind of a graduation speech in a sense. Jesus has gathered all of his disciples around him, and after three years of following Jesus, learning from him, hearing all of his public and private teachings, witnessing countless miracles, and spending every minute of every day with him for three whole years, learning from him. And you know, if they, if they some say that failure is the best teacher, and if you look at the disciples, they must have learned a lot. And so here they are standing in Galilee, right where it all started, where at least four of them were called to be Jesus' disciples. And it's kind of like their graduation day, that they're about to be sent out into the world. They're about to be sent out fulfilling their, the, all their training and, and learning, and they're about to be sent out into a world. And they stand on this mountaintop experience at a turning point in history, a turning point in their lives as well, not as a turning point where they're about to be sent out into the real world that's broken and falling apart in the worst state it's ever been, but they're being sent out into a world that has turned the corner of salvation, that they are being sent, a world, sent out into a world not where they just need to find something to hold on to for as long as they can to avoid sinking, but they are being sent out into the world under the reign and rule of the victorious Jesus. That they are being sent out into the world that is now being made right under the reign and rule of our triune God. That yes, they are being sent out into a broken world, a world that has fallen apart in every way, but a world that is being put back together piece by piece under the glorious, all-loving, and all-powerful rule of our triune God. And here they are about, and so these disciples are standing on their graduation day of sorts, being sent out not into a world that is falling apart, but being sent out into a world that is being made right with God and with others. And is it safe? Well, far from it. Most of these disciples will face death for their faith, and all will endure suffering for what they believe. And so here they stand before Jesus. They worship him, but some doubt him. So to be a disciple of someone back in that day, it was pretty easy to tell. Because you would actually follow around your teacher for, for years or whoever along, learning from them, and eventually you would leave and, and maybe teach others or, or maybe just take what you've learned. But what does it mean to be a disciple today? Discipleship is a dedicated and committed fascination over, over a person or a story or a movie or philosophy that, that shapes our thoughts and drives us to, to mirror and mimic these ideas and constantly learn more about them in our lives. And, and though uh, we don't follow around teachers physically today, even today, the, the human nature naturally finds things to become a disciple of. 
It's, it's that thing that, that if only somebody would ask you about it, you could tell them for hours all about this thing, whether they want to hear it or not. It's these things that you spend time wanting to learn more. It's these things uh, that you go out in the wanderings of life to find out something that you enjoy. Mine? Well, it's technology. I love finding out the, the latest and greatest sleek computers that Apple can come up with, the latest pro powerful programs that Google writes for everyone to use, and I'm fascinated by all the artificial intelligence that's going on right now. And, and it's not to say that, that these things are bad, whether it's beekeeping or, or baseball, everyone naturally finds something that they want to learn more about, that they spend their free time engaging with. And, and maybe you found a, a particular author you enjoy listening to or reading, or maybe it's a, a blog or a YouTube channel that you enjoy listening to or reading. It's not a sin to, have, to be a disciple of these other things, but it's, uh, it's just to show that it's natural for us to find something that we would want to learn about, read about, spend our time engaging with, being part of this community uh, of fans and other disciples, and it begins to shape our lives in that way. So to be a disciple of Jesus, what would that look like? What would that be to be a disciple of Jesus today? It would be to have a, a, an eagerness, a, a yearning to learn and read a, as much as you can about who he is and what he's done. To be an active member of the community of other disciples. You know, today, uh, it, it's something that you can't do alone. And so what keeps us from following Jesus from being a disciple of him, from, from wanting to learn and spend all of our free time and all of our wanderings in life to live an extraordinary life following Jesus. Was it fear? Fear of what might come next? Is it comfort? Or is it even safety? Even Jesus' disciples who had been with him in his presence worshipped him, but some doubted. Because to be a disciple of Jesus, it's not a secret that we keep in the Christian church. It's costly. It costs a lot. That you might have to give up your, your pet sins, your pet addictions that you can't shake. You might have to, to give up your pride or feelings of superiority over everyone else in the world for whatever reasons. You might even have to give up your dreams. That following Jesus, to be a, one of his disciples is costly. That following him might even mean you have to give up your dreams. That I might have to give up my American dream of owning a home, of two cars and a family, and then on my 67th birthday I can retire and finally have summer vacation for the rest of my life. Following Jesus is costly. So what does Jesus give to his disciples on their graduation day? Well, he sends them out anyways. He sends them out into this world to live this extraordinary life of following him, even though it may be costly. Not because uh, the Christian life is just one of many options, and you can take your pick if it suits you, but because it's true. Because Jesus has, raised, has risen from the dead, it's doing something nobody has ever done, raising themselves from the dead, and he has now ascended to the right hand of the Father and rules over all creations. It's true. 
that this is the life God has designed for everyone. This extraordinary life of following after him, learning him, to learn every day how to live a life more of freedom, joy, sacrifice, and renewal. It's the mission of God to restore and redeem the whole earth so that you and I can live with him in his world as he intended it forever. So he sends them out. He sends them out anyway to baptize and teach. He sends them out, and we even had seven baptisms this morning. That's the easy part. God does all the work for that. But there's the second part of teaching. That as we become disciples of Jesus, we enter in and engage with the community of all believers. That we would, just like you learn about gardening or something else from other people who have been, uh, who have more experience from you, Same thing in the Christian life, that that you would go out and find someone who could teach you something about what it means to follow Jesus. That you could find someone who's behind you in the faith and help them along in their journey. That as these seven kids were baptized into our community at St. Luke's, that you would be a part of their lives more than just saying, we welcome you into the name of the Lord, but actually welcoming them whether it's, it's teaching vacation Bible school or, or some other way. You could even start today by, by asking the person next to you, how did you end up here? How did you end up here in St. Luke's today? I know it's going to be awkward at first, but that's part of being a disciple of Jesus is teaching others and learning from others as we follow Jesus in this extraordinary life. And the community is essential because even uh, there was an article that was shared with me this past week about whether uh, artificial intelligence uh, might be able to, to take the job of discipleship. And even the artificial intelligence program said that no, you can't have just computers to be a disciple because what it lacks is community. That you have to be with other people when you follow Jesus. Since it's Trinity Sunday, I'll give you uh, your money's worth for coming here this morning. That, that, that you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One name, yet Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three names, just one. One God, not three gods. Not one God who does three different things, but this mystery of the triune God, of a perfect relationship, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all one, not three And it's this mystery that we we can't comprehend, and yet it's the beauty of this incomprehensible God that that we have no idea how to wrap our minds around, and yet he would bother with such simple creatures as you and me. One pastor put it this way, that we know precious little about God, but the little we know is precious. So what can we say about our God? Well, we confess it in the, the words of the, 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 the creed that we said earlier. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, and, and you know, in the Holy Spirit. We just said that. So that's uh, one way we can have uh, an idea of describing this. But yet it's our, our triune God who, who, uh, who is in himself completely separate from anything we can discover or, or understand. And yet he would make himself known to us in his word, and in his son, Jesus. So this mystery of the Trinity, 
the mystery of God's infinite love and just judgment, the mystery of an unfathomable God that would call you and me to live an extraordinary life leaves us with nothing other than to trust his promises. That God's almighty power to rule over all of creation, redeeming and restoring it in our lives and through our work, would give us his powerful promise to hold on to. That in this mystery of things we can't understand, how can God be loving in a time like this? How can God be just in a time like this? We are given his promise in our extraordinary lives to follow after him, holding on to what he has said, because his words are true and they are trustworthy. When he says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So is the Christian life an extraordinary life? Did you know that, that in the lives of, of believers, that as you go out into the world, this broken world that is ever more day by day falling apart, that you are part of the world made right. Part of the world, a, a glimmer of hope of the world as it should be. That as God works in you, in your lives, into what you do with your families, in your work, in your jobs, in your neighborhood, that God is showing the world a piece of the world put right. You can think of it as this big bucket of water filled to the brim of everything that should be. And as the bucket is moved and jostled around, pieces, little bits of water, little drops of water begin to splash out into our world as we see the world as it should be in our lives. And it'll continue until the day that Jesus comes that the water will, will be splashed out until that day when the water bucket is completely turned over and it all comes flooding into the world, completely made new on the day when Jesus returns. And until that day, we're, we're just glimmers of that, living the extraordinary life, trusting in the power and promises of Jesus. And that life began in the waters of baptism, when, when the little drops of water smacked you straight in your forehead, that the old life was buried in that waters, and the new life was brought forth, the life united with the power of God, to live a life of freedom, of joy, of sacrifice and renewal, to live the extraordinary life. So, to the disciples of Jesus at St. Luke's in 2023, time to live. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the one true faith. Amen.